All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I love that intro when I say that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting, thrilling Hopefully entertaining episode of Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. Tim Wurzberger's here. Hey, guys. What's and going on? We have a special guest. Ava Scott is in the studio. Say hey, say hi, Ava. Hi. I got the pleasure of taking Ava for lunch today, and now we're just hanging out in the studio doing a little uh, filming. She's going to be as quiet as she can be, right? And here we go. Hopefully we keep it, um, keep it PG. Right, Tim? I'll try. All right. So, breaking news. Tim? Jim Montgomery, head coach of the Dallas Stars, has been fired just about an hour ago. This is literally breaking news right now. Which would be great because we release our podcast tomorrow. So everyone will already heard of it by the time they listen to we, it. We release it on Fridays. Oh, we do on Fridays? Yeah. Well, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try to step it up. Never mind. Get it out sooner. But it's breaking news right now. And the GM, Neil, just had his press conference. And there was big speculation. Why is he getting fired? Are they trying to get ahead of something? Do they know anything? There's been no player who's accused him of anything, as far as I'm aware of. Neil came out and said he didn't have any um, bad conduct with anybody on staff. He didn't have any this and that with any players. He didn't give a reason for why he's being let go. He just said he had conduct that was detrimental to the organization, right? Unprofessional conduct. Exactly. What does that mean? You're a business guy. (laughs) What is unprofessional conduct in the workplace? I mean, in the hockey world, it can mean anything. And and they said that it's not related to the press conference that Gary Bettman gave last night, which we'll get into. It's not related to the movement that's happening in the hockey world right now. It's something completely different. But it smells a little fishy, right? That is very far-fetched. So if (laughs) the league's coming down on people for being inappropriate, um, getting in physical altercations with players, saying things, and then all of a sudden you panic and fire your coach, who, by the way, they're 13-2-1 in their last 16, I believe. So the coach is doing something right, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, i got to fire him. You don't, That just doesn't come out of nowhere. Like You see the writing on the wall, and then you get rid of him before you, know, you as an organization get in trouble. So maybe the Dallas Stars knew something three, four months ago and didn't do anything, and then they're worried something's going to come out, and they're just proactively firing this guy before something gets aired, you know? So let's think about it. Last night, Bettman said in his in his uh, interview that this is zero-tolerance policy and that any teams who are aware of misconduct 
or don't act on misconduct will be punished severely. And less than 24 hours after that, they went ahead and, and fired their head coach. What's the old saying? If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, there's a pretty good chance it's a duck. Yes. So, yeah, the Dallas Stars know something that none of us el- none of us know. The league doesn't know about it. So they're they're firing this guy. So something will come out in the wash in a couple weeks. He did something. He said something. He had some kind of inappropriate relationship. I don't know. But something will come out. And you don't just fire a coach who's successful. Getting a good coach in this league is hard to do. We've seen it over and over again. So if you have someone who's working there, you don't fire them for no reason, right? I mean, they're 17, 11, and 3. They're first in the wild card spot uh, in the West. It's not because of the performance of a team, especially because they're given the makeup of that team. They have a lot of veterans. They make the playoff, and you've seen them make a push last year. They could, anything could happen in the playoffs of that roster. Yeah. So they're something's going on for yeah, sure. Yeah, and they started terribly. They were like 2-7-1 and one or something in Real the first 10. Real slow start. Terrible start. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what kind of comes out. And you know there will be a unidentified source saying something in a week or so that Montgomery ran over me in his car. I don't know what he did, but he did something. So we'll see what happens. It's interesting. And we'll see what else happens. This is a trickle-down effect. Started with Akeem Alou and Peters. Then it was Crawford. Then it was uh, the Babcock. guy Babcock, and then it was uh, Don Cherry, Don Cherry, Laviolette. All these guys are getting accusations thrown their way. Now it's Montgomery, and who's next? Maybe I'm next. I don't know. I hope not, Ava. We'll see, <laughs> though. All right, what's next? Babcock or Batman? Should we talk about his speech? Yes. Yeah, so uh, he gave a press conference last night, and basically, um, I think he said all the right things. I have a co- quote here. He said, our message is unequivocal. We will not tolerate abusive behavior of any kind. There will be zero tolerance for any failure to notify us. And in the, in the, in the event of such failure, the club and individuals involved can expect severe discipline. Strong words. I, as much as I have issues with Gary on a lot of things, I think he nailed it right on the head. I think it's perfect. I'm glad he didn't go the route of the NFL or the MLB or basketball and they kind of waver and they don't give you an unequivocal answer. He just came out and said, if you mess up, pack your bags, you're done. I love it. Right? And it's not just words either. There are a couple of things coming out of this. Mandatory training for head coaches, assistant coaches, minor league coaches, and junior coaches every single year. And the other new thing is there's going to be an anonymous hotline to report abuse for players can call in and share those things if they don't want to say it out loud or in the public, which is really interesting. I think that's important because players are scared for their jobs. I know I was a fourth-line guy my whole career. I was afraid if nothing happened, but if something did happen, I wouldn't probably report it because then you're that guy who's making waves and you're going to be kicked out of, the, out of the league, off the team. No one wants someone who's a distraction, especially when you're a third, fourth you know, guy in the lineup all the time. So I think that's good, anonymous. Anonymous works good. I guess the only thing I'm just kind of – wondering about you talk about zero tolerance for um abusive behavior who where's that line what does that look like who is the judge for that line because if i'm the judge my line's a little bit different if you were the judge because you're some they call them snowflakes (laughs) so you're very soft and i'm more hardened so a line for me would be like you can punch him once not twice you know but you the coach looked at me wrong fired right tim you know me so well john i know how's the shoulder by the way it's better doctor wants me to get an mri i said no oh my really yeah tim got hurt in um a men's league skate 
No one was around him. He just fell on his shoulder. That's not true. He's been out for how many weeks? I don't know. Eight weeks. <laughs> Eight weeks. So if you were the judge, that guy who skated by you and didn't even touch you had been kicked out of the league. No. No tolerance. No. No? No. But in all seriousness, what's the line? Is it how far can you go verbally? Like how much can you yell at a player? Can you, if a player messes up, can you grab him by the jersey? Can you, you know, slash him if you're in practice, like pick it up, swat him on the behind? What is the line? Obviously, there's um, a no-go zone. Peter's obviously stepped over that line with the racial comments. But after that, it's all gray area. Babcock, I don't think he did anything wrong. I think asking that kid to write down the list is a bad idea. Nothing wrong with it. I don't think some of these coaches, I saw the video of uh, LaViolette punch Villaleno's helmet by accident. That's fine. I don't know. I've had coaches grab me by the gruff and say, hey, what are you doing? Pick it up. I don't mind that. Where's the line? Like, who? It's it's all depending on the player, right? Yeah, it comes down to the personality and, like, what kind of leadership you respond to. Some guys, when they're in a slump or when they're underperforming, they probably want the coach to grab them or give them a little smack. They mm-hmm. respond to that, and they kind of know that it's their turn to step it up. Um, some guys don't want that. Some of the, the snowflakes might not might not like that. The newer generation just wants to be consistently congratulated and told how great they are. That's the problem. So there's the old school coaches who have grown up this way and have always coached this way. Now they're being introduced to these kids who are just put up on this pedestal and they're not used to any criticism. And it's just two rocks coming together and one of them's going to have to break. And so far the coaches are the ones who are – you know, diving on the grenades. They're the ones who are getting kicked out of the league and getting in trouble. It's not the players who are super soft. Someone's not standing up to them and being like, come on, man up. Like, let's go. You're you're playing hockey. You're, we're not playing uh, ballet here. Like, this is hockey. This is a man's sport. There, there's a reason people look up to hockey players and say, man, that guy's tough. He must be a hockey player. There's the memes of players losing teeth and playing, not missing a shift, compared to a meme for LeBron cramping up and missing a month and a half. Carried off the court. Carried off the court to a rousing ovation because he's such a hero because he didn't drink enough Gatorade and he's getting carried off the court. Whereas Duncan Keith loses four or five teeth, comes back, and they win the Stanley Cup. Stamkos. You know what I mean? yeah. Stamkos doesn't win the Stanley Cup. Same thing, though. It's, it's just I hope we don't lose that type of identity because of this. I think when you think of a hockey player that's synonymous with toughness, grit, perseverance, um, just all those adjectives, and I don't want to be associated with soccer players, basketball players. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess just where do you where do you draw the line in, in disassociating that? Like, does that culture stem from like a culture of people sweeping things under the rug, abuse happening that no one wants to talk about, and that toughness comes out of kids just being conditioned from the time they're you know, in juniors and, and young kids thinking that what they're going through is okay and normal. Yeah, I think there's a there's obvious things that are wrong sexual um racial hate speech obviously wrong uh, that's that's a no-brainer then it gets tricky of where where do we where are we going to fall on this and that's that's the thing where i think they're going to have an issue so we'll see where it, where it ends up i think it's a great start zero tolerance i love it don't beat around the bush like the nfl with their abusive stuff with uh you know players beating up their wives and girlfriends and stuff i think this is great Kick him out of the league. They did it with Slava Voinov. They kicked him out. So I think it's great. I love where they're standing on this, and I hope they can just keep doing it. Right? Yes. Which is great coming from Batman, who obviously everything else he does is terrible. So it's <laughs> nice. 
Anyways, moving on. Um, I sent out a little tweet this week. Did you see that? You did. Went c- went crazy viral. You got a lot of responses. Thousands like, and thousands. Insanely of viral. My tweet was, who was an underrated player from the 2000 decade? So 2000, 2010, that people don't realize that were really good. And then we just sat back and listened to the responses. It was a blast reading through all these tweets. I know. I think I read through like five of them. Then I was like, ah, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the names that people come up with, like just people I completely forgot about. Chris Drury, uh, Afinaginov, some of these. Uh, I like Danny Briere. He's a great pick. Arguably has Hall of Fame stats, but just doesn't get the recognition because he never like played on a really, really, really. Well, I guess he was on Philly for a while. They had a good team. And Buffalo, they had a good team. Yeah. So, yeah, doesn't get the accolades that he should. Cut short a little bit by injury, his career. Was he on Buffalo with Drury? Yes. So I have a funny story about that. When they were just coming into their prime, Drury and Briere. Derek Roy. Derek Roy. Campbell. They had a great team. And so they were both going to be unrestricted free agents. And they both sat down. They said, listen, we'll sign with Buffalo. And the GM, they, they had a contract written up. And both players signed it, but the team did not sign it. And so it sat there unsigned for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then a month or so went by, and they had like 40 points or something crazy like that. And the players just said, oh, you didn't file the contract? Okay, let's rip it up. Because they would have signed for something way, way less than what they eventually signed for. So Buffalo thought they were going to wait them out and then get them to sign for less. And then they just kind of ended up kind of kicking themselves in the bum because they didn't sign the contract. So they could have had Drury and Briere – but they were trying to play a game, and they ended up just pricing themselves out of it because they didn't sign the contracts. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that was the team that was wasn't supposed to do that well. I mean, you're talking we talked Campbell, Finneganov, Vanek, Pominville, like those guys all just they were supposed to be like a bottom, like the Coyotes when you were on there. Wasn't he supposed to be a playoff team, and they made a serious push. They had Miller, they had a good team. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then my first year there was the last year of that core where they really were. We were supposed to make a push, and we started the year as a lockout shortened season, like zero and five. Yeah. And then they just blew it up. So some of the other names that were fun. Simone Gagne. He used to fly down yeah, the ice. I forgot about him. Ziggy Palfi was one of the most popular ones. Really? Ziggy? Yeah. Yep. Um, Havlat, for a few years there, he was pretty, he was a lethal sniper. The only thing I remember from Martin, I played with him in Chicago, him getting destroyed by Cronwall <laughs> on the boards one game. Yeah. Every time I think of him, I just think of him. He came up, his helmet was back. He was just like cross-eyed. Anyways. Uh, Rafalski was a really good one. Underrated defenseman. Brian Rafalski. Yeah, he was. Just because he's overshadowed by who's he played. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of Elias, all those great Devils teams, he was on a team with Brodeur, with Niedermeyer, with Stevens, and he's always kind of overshadowed by those names. But he was super underrated, I think. Who was the big guy, number 25 on that team, who was massive? Bobby Holik. Oh, yeah. Another underrated guy. Arnott was on that team, too. Arnott. You going to mention him? Um, the last one. This That's is an interesting work. one, and I guess maybe I'm just a little young for this. Tim Conley, he was fifth fifth overall pick in like '99, and we got maybe 20 people said Tim Conley. Said the sickest hand they'd ever seen, cut very short by injury. Do you remember him at all? Nope. I know the name. I don't yeah. remember him as a player. It was, I was really surprised to see that name come up over and over again when I was reading through him. Where did he play? I don't even know. Buffalo. Oh, I know Tim Conley, the bald guy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, just just bald. That's a tough go. Like, <laughs> yeah. I will be bald eventually, but I can't imagine. Like we talked, we touched on Getzlaff, who has no yeah. hair. That's a tough one to get over. I, I really feel bad for those guys who are completely bald. It's not a good thing. Look at them. 
Tim just showed me a picture of him. It's just like, it's just a weird thing because you're a professional athlete and you got no hair. Anyways, good list. I don't know what we're going to do with it. It's just fun to kind of go down memory lane. It was just a fun little question I posed. All right. So, talking about memory lane, my first captain, Miku Koivu. Or is it Miko? Miko. I forgot. You don't even know. Well, his brother is Saku. Yes. Saku and Miko. What are those names in the English language? Do you know? Quick. Saku is? I don't know. It's Saku. They don't change. Tim, you're such a racist. Um, All right. So he played his thousandth game. Very impressive. Is that honor getting less and less impressive these days? Because everyone plays for so long. I feel like that's happened like five or six times already this year. Getzloff. Who else? There's a few others this year. It's just like no one gets hurt anymore. So I I feel like that. (laughs) Mark has to switch to maybe 1,500 games to make it more impressive. Maybe. Anyway, so he played his 1,000th game, and when you see a a milestone like that, I'm attached to it, which is great. When I played with him, he was just turning captain because I was, gosh, how far? That was like 10 years ago now when I first uh, broke in. Maybe more, 11, 12. Wow, long time ago. Anyways, he was just a baby. He was just um, becoming captain with the Wild. I think the year before he was assistant, they had no captains because they used to do that rotating captain in Minnesota Yeah, where every month they would name a new captain and it just went like that for years. And so when Jacques Lemaire left, he brought in a permanent captain and they gave it to Miko. What was it about him that he was a younger player? There were older guys in that team with more experience. Yeah, I think when you're looking at a captain, you have to figure out who's going to be around a long time and it wasn't going to be... Cowboy, Owen Nolan. Yeah. But arguably, you could have could have given it to Pierre-Marc Bouchard or Bernsey or someone like that. But Miku, he was a big voice in the locker room. He was a great player, and he just kind of demanded that respect. And you knew you, he wasn't going to get in trouble, which is, you know, I think a big thing to picking a leader. He was just respected, just an all-around good guy. Was he like a soft-spoken, lead-by-example type of guy? Yeah. He reminds me of like a, a Zach Parisi kind of player who doesn't talk too much. Bergeron? Bergeron, yeah, and he just goes out and does does his job. He's not overly talented, but I, I liked him. I enjoyed him. I thought he was a good player. I thought he brought a lot to the team. He's not going to win you a ton of games, but he'll put up 40, 50 points a season. He'll be on the first uh, penalty kill unit, second power play unit. Like He's just a good, solid, all-around hockey player, and he's the perfect guy to be your captain because he has zero ego, zero ego whatsoever. So he, he could get benched, and he would be fine with it. Uh, not fine, but he's not going to cry about it you know what right. i mean like he's gonna suck it up and get you know he'll be the first guy in the ice working on things to kind of you know get back to where he should be so i, I know it's I, i'm uh, i'm happy you got a thousand games i wouldn't be surprised if you got 1200 1300 games yeah yeah who else was in that that group with you that year your, your rookie year who's in your class um book oh what do you mean in my class getting yeah. called up yeah uh it was me benoit pouliot we had eric reitz was there um sean bell Joel Ward, um, Clayton Stoner. Oh, yeah, I liked him. You're so not. Why did you like Stoner, Tim? I, I liked his game. Oh, I bet. His number, 420. <laughs> You're unbelievable. My kid's here. So predictable. She, Ava, are you sleeping? No. Just unbelievable. Way to be a, way to be a good role model. But no, we had, we had a good rookie class, and then I was by far, I paced the class. Because in I was what? just an overall skill level. So... There were some good rookies. It's funny when you're a rookie 
you just step into the league, and the difference from the AHL, I get asked a lot, what's the difference between going from the AHL to the NHL? The biggest thing I notice is just the way you approach the game. Going into the locker room when you're in the AHL, everyone's happy to be there. You know, you're not really thinking too much about the game. You're just kind of joking around. You're just kids. Everyone's 20, 21, 22, 23. You're just kids. In the NHL, you go there, it's business. You get there two hours before the game. There's guys who have been there for half an hour already preparing for the game. Like, they've been riding the bike. They've been watching video. They've been getting treatment. They've been just going through their routine to get ready for the game. So it's almost you have to sink or swim right away. You have to get ready for the game because if you're not, if you don't take it serious, you're gone especially for a guy getting called up, you have, I would say, a 5-10 to 10 game window to make an impression. And if you don't do it, back down you go, we'll, we'll get somebody else who's going to make, you know, turn some heads, open some eyes, who's going to stick. And that's why in your first fight, if you watch a kid who gets called up, he is going out of his way to make a big hit, get into a fight, um, score, forecheck, backcheck, do whatever they can. And that's natural, but it's like, Especially if you're a bubble guy, if you're not a first-round draft pick, you are you need to make an impression fast or you're going to be done. And then the team won't call you back up because they know the type of player you are. So it's very it's a very short window to make an impression. And that's what it is. What about some other things you notice, like maybe in as far as the facilities or amenities where you're kind of like, oh, I can get used to this. Well, yeah, the biggest that's the biggest, biggest thing is just the way they treat you. Like in the AHL, you're busting everywhere. Your pregame meal was the old country buffet. And you would stay in Motel 6s, and you would travel. You would unpack and pack your bags. You would have one or two trainers. I remember I I had my legit thumb ripped off my hand in a fight. Like, my thumb ripped off my hand. And I went to the locker room. I saw my bone sticking out. I put it back on, and it was just a compound dislocation. My trainer was like, oh, that's not bad. And I was out there. Like, it was nothing. And he, because he didn't know how to handle it, he was not a good trainer. We went to the hospital after the game. They stitched it up right across here, and that was it. And I, st- I still like it. Still tingles when I touch it. And that was like 15 years ago. You want to give that guy a little shout out? I can't remember his name, <laughs> yeah. but he was not like a like he's not a smart guy. You yeah. know, people will get hurt, like break their foot, and be like a long way from the heart, kid. And that was it. Ice it up, back on the ice. Whereas in the NHL, if I get hurt. You have the specialist. You have a second opinion. You have people asking you how you doing. Like there's, their sole job is to make sure you're ready to play. Where in the AHL, it's like whatever. We can just call up another kid. It's like, so different. I think even from ten years ago to what it is now, though. Oh, probably. You know. Yeah, probably. But like even you charter in the NHL. That was my big eye opener. My first trip, I was like, whoa, we get a private plane. Whoa, there's food on the plane. Whoa, we get like chicken wings before the game. Not before the game game, but, like, the day before the game, they'll have, like, chicken wings, a cheese spread. They'll have some sushi. And this is before the dinner they serve on the plane. So it's just, like, another world. And the big thing was, like, we were getting ready to take off. I'm like, why is people still have their cell phones out? They're watching movies, aren't they? Are we going to put this stuff away? And that's where I debunked the FAA. I was like, you don't have to turn your cell phones off or turn your movies off because I did it all the time. And I didn't put my seatbelt on. My seat was reclined. So all those rules are just there to control the man, which I don't like. So anyways, it's just... Then the hotel, you get there, they have like water bottles for you. And the Ritz-Carlton's and Four Seasons. It's just a... It's a great life. It really... If you can do it, I strongly suggest to make the NHL. Because it is pretty nice. (laughs) I would try it. 
So you you got called up before you signed your one way, right? Yes. How many, was that just like half a season? Half a season. I got called up just gosh right around this time, maybe just before Christmas, and then I stuck. I made a I made an impression. I got into a few fights and won and scored a little bit, and then I uh, I don't think I scored, but I played well. Yeah. And I and I stuck and I signed a one way right after the season. So it was uh, I never went back. Yeah. It was just like I could't go back. It was like going eating caviar to eating uh, something yucky. Ava, what's a yucky food? Eating milk. <laughs> Caviar to milk. That's you don't what... like milk, Ava? Why not? Talk to the mic, sweetie. I just don't like milk. Which is funny because her her sister, who's two years younger than her, is already about three inches taller, and she drinks milk all the time. When you see Gabriella being so much taller than you, does that make you want to drink milk so you can grow more? No. Why not? I just... I want to grow more, but I don't want to drink milk. But you know that milk would make you grow more. Yeah. What is it about milk that you don't like? It comes from a cow. <laughs> <laughs> but where does cheese come from? A cow. Where does butter come from? A cow. Where does yogurt come from? A cow. Do you like all those foods? Not yogurt. No, oh, <laughs> just butter and cheese? But why do you eat those and not milk? I don't know. Hmm, interesting. This is the life that I lead at home. It's very just, doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, drink this little cup of milk. Ah, no! Yuck! No! Here, you want this stick of butter? Sure. And they'll just eat a bar of butter. No. Yes. Ava's mom, Danielle, gives her, my wife, I should say, um, gives her this butter. Why does mom give you guys butter? I don't know. And then what do I say when you guys ask for butter? No. Yeah, I think it's so gross. It is gross. To give kids butter. But Danielle just just hands out butter. We'll be like cooking and she'll, some kid will come up, can I have butter? And she'll cut him off a piece of the butter. It's <laughs> disgusting. And she's just eating butter. <laughs> well, I don't understand it either. And then you know what else is gross? When me make mac and cheese, what does mom do that I don't do? When we're making cheesy cheese. She lets us eat the rest over the leftover. Talk like a big girl. She lets us eat the leftover cheese in the container things. The dry cheese packets? You yeah. Know, you dump it into the pot, and then there's the residue. She gives that to the kids, and they lick it out. Ugh. Like it's brownie mix or something? Yes. Isn't that gross? Yes. Hey, And then the kids love it, and so when I make it, they're like, can we have that? I'm like, no, that's disgusting. And like, you're the worst. Mom lets us do it. <laughs> It's so like she's just creating these bad, gross habits that are going to live on forever. It's yuck. They'll grow out of it. No, they won't because they they, would you rather have a stick of butter or a piece of candy? Candy. Okay, good. I know because you hesitated there. there. That was way too long. They really like butter. Anyways, where were we? Uh, who was the coach of the Wild when you called up? It was Jacques Lemaire. Jacqueline Hall Mayer. of Fame coach. He's won like a bazillion Stanley Cups, which I, mean, I also want to talk about in the future podcast. I've been doing a little research. When the NHL started, I don't want to give it away because it's such a good idea. All these teams who have won all these Stanley Cups, I think they're obsolete. We should just mark team success based on, A, when the league expanded into 20-some teams, and B, when the salary cap came in. All these teams that won Stanley Cups before that date, I think should be Gone, taken off the record. Canadians have like twenty seven, and twenty five of them happened when they you drafted players out of Canada automatically. Just I just found out that 
back in the day when there were six teams, the Canadians always got a first-round draft pick, much like everybody else, but then they got to take the best player off of um, the list of the players from Quebec. Yep. So it's just it's just cheating. Asterisk. It's just like when um, back in the day Babe Ruth hit a thousand home runs, but he didn't have to hit against black guys. <laughs> that's or true. Or Cubans or anything. Yeah. It was only whites allowed. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Who, there was a comedian who said, "Yeah, Babe Ruth. I would like to see him hit um, a pitch from what's his name, CC Sabathia, the funny yeah. ball from CC Sabathia or something. Yeah, the pitch is unhittable. But anyways, it's impossible to compare errors and stuff. Who it's knows? Impossible." Even it like really people is. in Gretzky in today's NHL, who knows what that would look he like? He would have been fine. You put me back then, I'd be Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. you kidding me? What my, in the 80s? My skill set back yeah. in the 40s? 40s. I would have killed it. You wouldn't be talking about John Beliveau. You'd be talking about John Scott. John Scott. It'd be unbelievable. I would have my jersey in the rafters at every rink in the league. It would have been. It would have been sad. All the records I would have set. You think I could have played in the NHL in no. the 40s? You haven't seen me play. I've heard <laughs> from who? From you. Yeah, not good. Guy gets hurt when someone looks at him funny. So, yeah, all right. shoulder. So okay. back to the wild for a minute. So you came up, and there are a lot of veterans on that team. Yes, yeah, brunette. You had uh, Owen Nolan, Pierre Marc Bouchard. Cowboy. Who? Their names are Kitty and Cowboy. That was their nicknames. Oh, really? Yeah. Any good stories? Like, what were they like in the locker room? Um, Cowboy was a grump. Yeah. He was an ornery old man. He didn't take orders from anybody, which was tough because Lemaire was just. The biggest regimented rules coach you could have. Like, we had a rule you got to wear a suit and tie on the plane. Cowboy would show up with um, jeans and a t shirt. And he just, he didn't care. Like a button down shirt, not a suit and tie. And yeah. The coach would be like, Owen, you got to wear a suit and tie? No, no, I don't. No, and again, he just would keep walking. Um, Bruno was great, loved to play cards. His big thing was after a game. And this is where, I, like, hockey was fun. He would have um, a six pack in the sauna. And so after the game, he'd go in there and he'd just have a drink and relax and kind of wind down from the game. And as a young kid, I'm like, man, I wish I was invited into the sauna. Yeah, right. Like, I wish I could go in there. And then one day he's like, hey, big boy, you want to come in? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> I like, sprinted in the sauna as quick as I could. He's like, grab a towel. I'm like, yes. So he's just he was a really cool guy. And we had Burnsy. We had a lot of good young kids, too, like Burnsy and Pierre Brook Mouchard and Nick Schultz. And we had a good team. Did you know back then that Burnsy was going to be something special? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he, he was, wasn't right away. He was too wild. He yeah. was too out of control. And you could watch him play. He was like a spinning top. Tasmanian devil. He would just go on the ice and try to do everything on every single ship. He wanted to lead the rush as a defenseman. He wanted to be the first one back. He wanted to always have the puck. He wanted to take every one-timer. He just, if there was a guy in the corner on the opposite side in the D zone, he would go and try to nail him and then get back to the front of the net. He just tried to do way, way, way too much. And it just didn't work. He was always caught out of position and just getting yelled at. But it's tough because you see that talent. You're like, kid, like, calm it down. You could be the best defenseman ever. But he just – it took him years and years and years to realize his skill level and that he didn't have to do all those things to be impactful in a game. And that, that's, that took him a lot longer than it takes most kids just because he was – his head goes a mile a minute all the time. So – what about um, Gabrick? Did you know, like, I mean, how sick was he? He was kind of in his prime at the time you were there, right? He was, he had a different level as far as speed goes. He was so good. He came up a lot on those tweets, too, Gabrick. Yeah, People don't realize how good so, he was. so, so good. I've never seen someone so powerful where if he put his whole leg into it, he would rip his muscle right off his bone. And so when he, be, I'm not even kidding, before the game, he would 
have to warm up his legs and thighs and glutes so much because he just generated so much power. You know how people put on like compression shorts before they play? Just to, you know, it feels good. He so if if just for instance he was a thirty six waist or thirty four waist, he would buy a pair of twenty eight compression shorts, size twenty eight waist, and he would pull them up and they would be thick so they wouldn't tear or anything. So it'd be a very thick compression short. And he would have to get people to help him put them on his legs to keep his muscles from tearing off his bone. I'm not even kidding. Because he generated so much power with every stride, the shorts would keep his hip and legs and muscles from like tearing apart when he skated. That's crazy. You're looking at me like I'm lying. This is a true story. He would cut like the, the crotch out and he would pull them on his legs just because they would keep everything locked in. Wow. It was bizarre. The, he it was so powerful. I've never heard anything like that. Yeah, I never. I have never seen anything like it. Like I've I've been around guys who are strong, like a kid in town here, Nathan Gerby. He's got thighs for days. Gabrick, who Nathan is fast, Gabrick would dust him in a race because he was just at a different level, a completely. He was in a level all of his own, and he wasn't on steroids or anything. He was just. It was a God's gift of speed. Was he like like a diva as, as a personality? No, loved him. Yeah. Absolutely loved the guy. The one thing I had an issue with, we played cards, and we would play poker where you could buy back in. Oh, yeah. He would co- always buy back in until he won, you know? And it was annoying because he he'd the show money. up, All his right. thing of Louis Vuitton, he'd have like 10 grand in there, and I'd show up with my like Velcro wallet with like 100 bucks in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Gabby, come on. Like, you can't do this. He's like, what is the rules? And you, you could buy back in until we got an hour out of the destination. So you just buy back in the whole time. And, and he would win every third or fourth game because there would be like four guys left and he'd buy back in. Three guys left, he'd buy back in. Because I'm not going to keep buying back in for 100 bucks. No. No. It gets pricey. Were you on the team when he scored the five goals in a game? Probably. I don't know. Maybe. Might have been before. I don't keep track of that stuff. You remember Simone Gagne? Or no, Simone Gagne. Who was the other guy? And the Oilers, they had eight points when you were on the team. Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne. He had nine. Eight. Eight. I was plus one. I know. Not a big deal. You love that story. We lost nine to two. I was plus one. Right, Ava? Right. You were just being born, I think, at that time. Ava was born in what city, Ava? Chicago. That's right. What's the hockey team in Chicago? Um, What's the hockey team name? Chicago what? Remember we went this summer? All right. We'll work on that. <laughs> so other big news. What? Other big news. For the first time since 2016, the NHL is going to let the fans vote the starters for the All-Star game, which they said they would never do again. Isn't is, that is this funny? a good idea? Yeah. Like, it's going to happen again. They're going to vote someone in who the NHL doesn't want. Who would be that player this year? Um, this is gonna, it's like a, a subtle jab if I say somebody because I don't want to. I don't want to start a trend. <laughs> I can do it then. Yeah, Ryan Reeves. You're so racist. What is your deal today? Tim always <laughs> brings you up the black about? player. It's just trouble, Tim. Yeah, you're gonna get us in trouble. Guilty as charged. You're gonna get us in trouble. But no, I would say. See, I would go the complete opposite way and vote a player and you play like one game. You know, a guy who's a healthy scratch always, who's just like never played. That'd be that. That's I think the next step because I played. It'd be a guy who just got called up and he's played like three games and he just you know is sitting there. You know Stephen Kemper? I do. He uh, he played in the wild too, right? I'm not yep. not when you were there, but uh, Bruins two weeks ago dressed him as a seventh defenseman. They went seven seven D and he played not one shift the whole game. 
Someone like that. Someone like that. It's funny you say that. There was a story coming around about Chelios, who dressed for the outdoor game, yeah. played one shift, didn't play the rest of the game. His kids were feeding him beer on the bench. You believe that? I do believe that. I believe it. Not many guys could pull that off, but Chris Chelios could. He could, especially if, yeah, he's played 25 years in the league. And Babcock was the coach. Ooh, Mike, another stain on his record. All right. Last last thing for today. I have a piece of trivia for you. Ooh, this, I love trivia. Who was the last winger to win the Selkie trophy? And what is the Selkie? This is the best defensive forward. You always It's always Bergeron, Taze, Kopitar. The last winger. Give me a generation. It was in the post-2000, in the last 20 years. <sighs> that doesn't help me out. What? It was, okay. Marion Hosa. No. It came up during this, this question that you asked the other day. So it's in the 2000 and 2010. He won it three or four times, all told. Really? Yeah. Might have been some of it late 90s. but. And I played against him. I don't know. Is he a Western Conference or an Eastern Conference? I'm going to do 20 questions here because I don't know the answer. Western. Does he wear a visor? Yes. Western Conference wears a visor. Did he play in Canada? For a Canadian team? Yes, Tim. No. For a Canadian team. He played for one team in the NHL his whole career. One team his whole career. How long did he play for? 95 to 2010. Wow. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. But he played a lot. Um, I think he played overseas first. I don't think he was a young when he came over. Martin St. Louis. He's no. an Eastern Conference guy. Um, uh, California player? Nope. Where do you play? What team do you play for? Dallas. Does that give it away? It should. Yuri Lednin? Yeah. Wow. Yep. What a what a good question, Tim. Great job. Thank you. All right. Anyways, we got a big interview coming up next. Yeah, we do. A guy, my alma mater, Alex Smith, lighting up the league right now. We'll Tech's be, on a roll. We're heading down there in a couple of weeks. I know. We're going down to the GLI. Isn't that exciting? Do you know what the GLI stands for? I don't. Great Lakes Invitational. Ava, you're not going. <laughs> what would you like to say? You said that you weren't going to go anywhere. I'm going for the day. I'm not spending the night. Good. She gets mad when I go on hockey trips. I just got back from Winnipeg, and they were not happy that I left. You so miss I him said, when he's gone? Mm-hmm. What do you miss about me the most when I'm gone? You. Oh, I love <laughs> you guys. That's a good answer. But anyways, yeah, so we're going to talk to Alex Smith next, senior uh, assistant captain on the Huskies, so it'll be interesting. Anyways... We'll uh, segue to that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you next week. Cheers. Say bye, Evan. Bye. This episode of Dropping the Gloves is brought to you by – I'm actually excited for this one. It's brought to you by CoolHockey.com. I have actually ordered some jerseys from them because when my career ended, I couldn't get a jersey for the life of me. So whenever I need a Scott jersey for a charity or something – I go to CoolHockey.com, so it's cool we're pairing up with them. So, hey, anyways, go to CoolHockey.com. They've been selling jerseys since 1999. Everything is done in-house, all the names on the back, all the numbers. They don't ship it out to somebody else, so you get your jerseys fast, and they're honestly a better quality. The customization is approved by the NHL every year, so you're not getting knockoffs. You're not getting outdated stuff. All the colors, all the logos, everything on the shoulders, everything is up to date, so you're getting legit up-to-date jerseys that the players wear. So if you want a jersey for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for anything, hockey season is in full swing, you got to get some new swag. 
Go to coolhockey.com. Use promo code JohnScott20, and you get 20% off all of their Adidas jerseys. Isn't that crazy? So, coolhockey.com. Use promo code JohnScott20 and get 20% off Adidas jerseys, and you'll help this guy out a little bit. So get some jerseys. You'll be looking good for the new year. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Big, big episode today. I'm very excited to have one of the senior cogs of the Michigan Tech hockey team here with us, Alex Smith. How you doing, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. So we were just chatting before. Where, where are you at right now? Just I'm, in a la- I'm in the lounge at the rink, so uh, just sitting in the lounge. A, a player lounge? Yeah, we got a player lounge here. So um, after practice every day, we come in here and uh, get supper and stuff. And then Fridays and Saturdays, we get pregame meals in here. It's unbelievable. So this is what I talk about kids these days being just super spoiled. Because when I was there, there was no lounge. There was no <laughs> relaxing after the fact. Our pregame meals were at um, a fish fry place downtown Houghton. Holy. We, it was terrible. And now, so what do you guys, what's in there? You have video games and stuff for TVs? Yeah, we got TVs. We got a big TV with uh, satellite. Actually, we got a couple TVs. We got an Xbox and stuff. And, uh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Maybe that's why you're doing so much better than I did. You have a, you're getting taken care of a little bit more. Yeah, we're getting pampered a little bit here. I like that. So, Alex, you're from Edmonton. I'm from Edmonton. How did you get from Edmonton to Michigan Tech? Because I, I didn't know many people who made that, that transition. Yeah, it was actually a, a funny story. So I started my junior career, played um, two years in the Alberta League, and then got traded to Flin Flon. And um, that was sort of the best thing that ever happened to me to get traded to Flin Flon. And um, it was it was um, my 20-year-old year there. I was my age out year, and uh, Mel Pearson, who was a coach at the time, called. And uh, that's just how the recruiting process started. Nice. And so how do you like Tech? You've been there four years. It's It's a little bit of a different city. For those of you who don't know, it's Tucked away in northern Michigan, not a big town. It's like six, seven thousand kids. What, what do you do for fun up in Tech these days? Yeah, you know what? It it is different. It's a small town and uh, lots of snow. I mean, right now we're getting peppered by a lot of snow, um, but I think that also makes it a little bit more enjoyable, especially on the hockey side of things. We get a ton of fans and uh, we sell out most nights, which which uh, makes it a lot of fun to play here. That's awesome. So, in a couple of weeks, the big GLI. You're playing Michigan State first game. I have a bet with the guy on my Sunday night league who went to Michigan State that you're going to win. Can you guarantee me a win right now, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'll go as far as guaranteeing, but we have a good chance. We've got a good team this year, and uh, we've been playing some really good hockey. And uh, GLI is lots of fun, especially uh, it's like playing a home game uh, at the GLI. We get a ton of fans, and our fans travel extremely well, so it's a ton of fun. So I'll be down there. Can you describe to me what what can I expect from Alex Smith? What is your style of game? What what am I going to see out of you? Uh, I'm a centerman. I, I'm good on faceoffs. I like to think, and then uh, a playmaker is is what sort of my game is. Um, but at the but playing 200 feet too. I mean, it's a typical cliche, but that's also something I try to focus on: being good defensively and uh, creating lots of opportunities offensively. That's not what I want to hear. I want, when we're down there watching, you to just disregard the defensive end and just try to score as many goals as you can because I want action. 
Alex. I'll do that for you, especially if you have a bet on. Especially if you have a bet on the line, I'll, I'll make sure I do that. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. No, you are you are top ten in the league in faceoffs. No big deal. That's the whole country. Yeah. So, are you a righty or a lefty? I'm a righty. And so, what's your big move? You like to go to the backhand or forehand? Uh, you know what? I think backhand's backhand's more reliable. Uh, it just depends on the game. Depends on what other guys are doing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I like to. I sort of just. Uh, just time it. Timing is the main thing for me in, in order to win the face-offs. That's awesome. So back to Houghton, Michigan. Where, where, where do you live in town, and how much snow is on the ground right now? There's a ton of snow on the ground right now. We've been oh, – really? uh, yeah, yeah, there's lots of snow, and it probably won't melt till July. But uh, we got – I live downtown with uh, two other guys above uh, the pawn shop, it's called. So uh, right downtown, there's uh, about eight other guys that live right across the street. So it's a good location. Nice. And do you have a girlfriend, Alex? Yeah, I do have a girlfriend, yeah. That's really good. When I, when I first got recruited there, I went on my trip, and one of the guys who took me out, one of the seniors said, he's like, do you have a girlfriend, John? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, you should probably get one before you come to Tech. Yeah, that's actually funny because I, I was told the same thing when I came in. So it, was, it worked out good that I had a girlfriend coming in. And I think most of the team, I mean, have, have, like my freshman year, there's a couple guys uh, second half of the year that were engaged and, and or married. So it's no uh, kidding. It's just <laughs> a responsible team. I love it. That's what you get out of Michigan Tech. Yeah, exactly. Brains and smarts. The quicker you get married, the better. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Because I was a complete dodo until I met my wife. Now I'm smart. So what are you taking, Alex? Last question. What's your degree going to be in? Uh, I'm a communication major with uh, a minor in business. Oh, so you're not going to do anything after school. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an engineer like uh, like you were here. <laughs> not like all nine. of us can be engineers. No, exactly. I don't got what the book charts for that. But hey, man. I'm going to let you go. You got to go to practice. I really appreciate your time and I'll see you in a few weeks. Okay. I'll see you after the game, hopefully celebrating a big win. I'll split my winnings with you. Perfect. Sounds good. We got a deal. You're not allowed to say that. This is co- That's a college <laughs> violation. You're supposed to say no. Mr. Yeah. Scott, no. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, we'll have a drink after the game, maybe. Good luck and we'll see you in a few weeks, buddy. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for having me on. All right, Alex. Cheers.